One of the greatest storytellers I have ever met was Harold Morris. He passed away several years ago, but he could keep a group mesmerized for hours as he told story after story after story. He grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina. He was a great athlete, uh, but he got in with the wrong crowd, made a mistake, drove a car, and two of his friends went into a store. They tried to rob the store, shot a person. They came out with a car and said, drive, drive, we shot a person. And uh, so he drove. And a year later, he was arrested. And they had turned state evidence. They got two or three years. He got two life sentences. He was in Georgia State Penitentiary. And he, um, during the time he was in jail, he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Part of it was through the ministry of Cleve McCleary, who was a friend of his growing up. Uh, he, he really became faithful to the Lord, uh, was used in prison, and then he was pardoned. He got out of prison, and he made an impact all over the United States, talking to young people especially, but sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a great storyteller, and he had a great story to tell. We all have a story to tell, do we not? Through our words and through our actions. I think most of us recognize that. Show and tell. Uh, we would show a person a toy when I was in first, second grade or so, and then we'd tell about the toy in a similar way. We tell about our relationship with Jesus Christ, and then we show people through our life. If, if we tell without living, then we're hypocrites. If we live it and we don't tell, then we're missing an opportunity to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said these words, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that a great verse? That has to do with us telling our story through our lives. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're going to talk about our story today because all of us have a story. And our story begins in the womb. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, very familiar portion of Scripture. It's the, the passage where, where the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be some wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. But in verses 13 through 16, he talks about the fact that he knew us even when we were in the womb. Verse number 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet... There were none of them. Isn't it clear that God knows us in our mother's womb? Uh, when we think about abortion, that, that, from my perspective, is a sin. I understand when people have difficulties and so on, uh, but, but unfortunately that's a choice that is taking a human life because life begins at conception. And we see this portion of Scripture, a couple more that we are going to look at, that shows that our story begins in the womb or even before the womb. Jeremiah 
chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. God is calling Jeremiah to be a prophet. And he said to the prophet, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God knows our story even before we are born. God knows our story even before we are conceived. We need to recognize that our story begins in the womb and even before. We see this also in Luke chapter 1. It's the story of John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. Zacharias is in the temple doing his regular duty. A, a, an angel appears to him in verse number 11, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, notice this, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Isn't that tremendous that the angel is saying to Zacharias, you're going to have a son and even when he is in the womb, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't understand that completely, but we know that when Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, met Mary who was expecting Jesus, the babe, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And she was filled with the Spirit, and she prophesied, or she shared a song. You know, as we, as we think about the fact that our story begins in the womb, I believe that it's obvious that we need to recognize that God, He knows what's going to happen in our lives. He knows who we are. He knows what we are going to be and what we are going to do even before we are born. Our story begins in the womb. Number two, our story ends where? Guess, guess where? Starts with an H. Our story ends in heaven. John chapter 14 is a portion of Scripture that most of us are familiar with. We hear it at funerals. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's a tremendous portion of Scripture talking about the fact that we are destined to go to heaven if we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And heaven is a great place to be. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Our story ends in heaven. But our story is being written while we live. That's point number three. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. 
Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and basically he says, you are an epistle that has been written by me and reflects Jesus Christ. In fact, let's go ahead and, and look at that for just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. In other words, God is sending a message to the world, and guess who he sends it through? He sends it through you. He sends it through us. And it depends on what we say, depends on what we do. I think that it's important for us to recognize that we determine our own eulogy. Have you thought about that before? I've had opportunity to, to do a lot of funerals. And when I do a funeral, I normally do a eulogy. Most of the time, the, the person has, in a sense, by the way that he or she lived, they are the ones that have written the eulogy. And whether it's shared by the family or whether it's observed by people in the church, we recognize what kind of person they were. We determine our own eulogy by what we say and also by what we do. You've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. I mean, we can talk the, the right talk, but not live it Monday through Saturday, and we are writing our eulogy when you, when you do that. You know, I, I think that I need to think about what's going to be said at my funeral, and probably you do as well. And uh, quite often I talk about relationship transformation and impact here because I think that's a vital part of the Christian life. And when I think about relationship, I want people to say at my funeral, he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Isn't it true that we're sinners? We deserve to spend eternity separated from God because of our sin. But Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can go to heaven if we trust him as our Savior. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And I, I want it to be known when I die that I have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I was five years old, didn't understand everything about it, but I knew I was a sinner. I knew I didn't deserve to go to heaven, and I knew that Jesus died for me. And I said yes to Jesus Christ. So when we think about relationship, he trusted Christ as Savior. But number two, he loved the Lord. It's one of the two great commands. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which leads to the next thing I'd like to have said at my eulogy. I don't know if people are taking notes. Maybe my kids will see this. He loved people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't it be great if people said, well, he has trusted Christ as a Savior. He loved the Lord with all his heart, and he loved people. But transformation is important as well. And I would love for people to be able to say at my funeral, he was like Jesus. Now, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not always like Jesus. Sometimes I do my own thing instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to control me. But I want to more and more and more become like Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 6 says that if we claim to abide in Jesus Christ, we ought to live like he lived. We ought to walk like he walked. As we behold him more and more, we become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's transformation. He was like Jesus. And then the third one, impact. He made a difference for Jesus Christ. He led people to know Jesus Christ as Savior. He taught the word of God. He helped people. He served people. 
Those are the kind of things that I would like to have said at my funeral. How about you? What is important to you? I do think that relationship transformation and impact, knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, loving him, loving one another, becoming more like Jesus Christ, serving God, serving one another, making a difference. That's what it should be all about. Our story is being written while we live. And the, and the way that we live our lives is going to determine what our story is eventually. Number four, our story should not just be about ourselves. Sometimes we have a tendency to be narcissistic. We have a tendency to just think about ourselves a lot, to, to focus on ourselves a lot. That's not what Jesus did, and that's not what we ought to do as well. Our focus should be on him. Three weeks ago, somebody sent me Psalm 92, verses 1 to 2. I've used it every sermon that I've preached since then. I'm going to use it one more time, and then I'm going to stop. Uh, well, I, I might do it later, but I'm not planning on using it every week. It says this, It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. That has to do with thanksgiving, does it not? And hopefully during the course of this past week, you expressed gratitude uh, to God for what he has done for you. And you shared with others by testimony what you were thankful for. I, I, I encouraged y'all to, at your meal, go around the circle, let people share what they were thankful for, and then end up by saying, I'm, I'm thankful that even though I'm a sinner, Jesus died on the cross for me. I've trusted him as my Savior. I have everlasting life. I figure if I told y'all to do that, I ought to do that as well. So we did that on Thanksgiving. We talked about our gratitude for different things, but especially for that unspeakable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number two of Psalm 92 says this, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. I believe that means we need to be talking about God. We need to be talking to him and praising him, but we also need to be telling our story and that story should have to do with our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Expressing to others his loving kindness. He loved us so much that, that he was willing to come and die on the cross for our sins. Expressing to God our appreciation for his faithfulness and then telling others how faithful God has been. Psalm 106 is another portion of scripture. Psalm 106 verses 1 and 2 that talk about the goodness of God. Psalm 106, in verse number one, I can do this, I know I can. Or give thanks to the Lord, why? For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? We should be praising God, but we should be declaring to others what God has done for us, and that indeed is part of our story. Psalm 136 also talks about praising God. Uh, our story is not just about ourselves. We need to be focusing on God. And in Psalm 136, the psalmist talks about the nation of Israel and talks about how God worked in a mighty way in regard to the nation of Israel. Psalm 136 uh, it, it's a, it's a, basically a psalm that, that the speaker would say one thing and then the 
congregation would respond. And the response in Psalm 136 is basically this, for his mercy endures forever. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through that. And when I point at you, I want you to say, for his mercy endures forever. And that way, even if you don't have your Bible in front of you, you can do that. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. Talking about creation. Aren't you grateful for creation? I guarantee you, if it was not for creation, you would not be here. Verse number 10, to him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Basan, for his mercy endures forever. And gave their land as an heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. That's talking about the Exodus. It's remembering what God has done in the past. And aren't we supposed to do that? Remember what God has done in the past. As we look into the Word of God, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We grow in faith when we spend time in God's Word. We have creation, we have the Exodus, and then it goes on to talk about His provision. Verse number 23 who remembered us in our lowly state, for his mercy endures forever, and rescued from our en- us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever, who gives, us, who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Isn't it true that God is good? That his mercy endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. And we should thank him for creation, for, for things that he's done in the past, for his provision, for his goodness to us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Our story should not just be about ourselves. Our story should be first and foremost about Jesus. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15. 
when he had raised from the dead, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Makes me think of Rob Jackson and Angie, the Jackson Five, planning to go to Portugal to share the good news about Jesus Christ to the people in Portugal. He's, he's obeying what God told us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Thinking about Marty and Dina McAnally, thinking about Mary, uh, thinking about other people who have really made a difference for Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. Is it just when we go overseas that we can make a difference for Jesus Christ and focus on Jesus Christ and tell his story? No, it's, it's, it's here and now as well. Evangelism is telling the story wherever we are. It's telling the good news about Jesus Christ wherever we are. And that's exactly what we need to do, is to tell the story. In fact, we're going to do something a little bit different. Thursday, Tuesday night, we had our Thanksgiving service, and, and uh, I, Chuck got wind that I was thinking about leading a couple of songs, and he said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to do it for you. And so he led it, and it was really a good service. I, I appreciate all those who came. It was, it was an excellent night on Tuesday night. But I don't know if I've ever led a song in front of the, the, the church on a, on a Sunday morning. I might have done it once or twice, but I don't remember doing it. So we're going we're gonna to sing, and I think the words should be on the screen. I love to tell the story. Just verse number one, I'm going to back up from the, no, I have it on me. Maybe I need to cut it off. Why don't y'all stand? Darlene wants to stand. just another few minutes they took took care of it they cut off the 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 mic for me i appreciate that very much our story begins in the womb wouldn't you agree with that all of us have a story our story ends in heaven our story is being written while we live and we need to make sure that we've trusted Christ as Savior, that we love God, that we love one another, that we're seeking to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're seeking to make an impact for him. Our story should not just be about ourselves. It ought to be about God. It's a good thing to give thanks to him, to talk about his loving kindness, to talk about his faithfulness, to utter his great works. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And finally, our story should be first and foremost about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
We need to focus on Jesus Christ and share the good news about what he did for us on the cross. The fact that he died, he was buried, he rose again so that we can have everlasting life and we can have life more abundant. Through it all, we need to evaluate our own lives and ask ourselves the question, what kind of story are we telling? Are we really, as, as we live our lives, are we telling a story that brings honor and glory to him? Or are we focused on ourselves and what we want? We'll end up again with Matthew 5 and verse number 16. Let's say it together. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's seek to do that. Let's start telling a story that will glorify God. And the good news is, if we hadn't been doing that, if we confess our sins, God will... He will forgive us and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we can begin a new life. We can walk in newness of life, putting off the old man, putting on the new, glorifying him by the way that we live our lives. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to tell a story, the fact that we have been born and that as we tell the story, which goes from our womb to, from our mother's womb to, to uh, heaven, we just pray that we will be seeking to honor and glorify you, making sure we know you in a personal way, making sure we're obeying you, loving you, living for you, for your honor and for your glory. Just pray, Lord, that you will transform us by the renewing of our minds. I pray that for some of us, this will be a new start for us as we seek to honor and glorify you in everything that we say, everything that we do, that you will be glorified as we tell the story. In Jesus' name, amen.